Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern and Rouge Cycling Podcast here with Benji Nice. And as usual, for the recap of Stage 9 of the Vuelta Espanol, the last stage before the rest day on the Sunday, a nice mountaintop finish. And we had fair bit of action today really exciting mountaintop finish actually uh this show is supported by our show partner lacole more on them later 188 k's pretty flat rolling terrain for the first 100 k's and then 29 k's four percent with some steep sections in there descent short climb and then the last climb 13 k's 7.2 percent alto de verifique consistent gradients uh, probably the longest mountaintop finish we've had so far. The question was, would Ineos Bahrain Movistar be able to try something after Bala crashed out? And uh, But yeah, breakaway Benji, I guess watching on Race Centre, you were because there was no full stage coverage today, even though there was for the sprint stage yesterday. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that it doesn't have that on a stage like this, but we had a major fight for the breakaway. The initial speeds in the first hour was near 50k an hour, and if that happens, you know that plenty of people are trying to attack in the peloton. People from plenty of teams, but also the teams that you would expect to go in the breakaway. Sure, wildcard teams go in there as well, but you've got the likes of a, a Bardet trying something today. We've got Caruso for uh, Bahrain being in the breakaway, Elison in the breakaway, Micah, Stannard, and Molar together with Legag. That was the first group that was forming that actually got a bit of a gap on the others. Then another four-man group decided to uh, try and bridge Kalmajan Madadzo. Wow, I ruined that name. Madrazo, Amesqueta, and Dusfeld. And this group formed a proper group together, eventually with 11 riders. And we would see that breakaway take on the majority of the stage. But the gap wouldn't get that much time because at first they'd get like 3 minutes 20, 3 minutes 30. But by the time the coverage started, which was already on the big middle climb of the day, well, the gap was down to a minute 20 because a team decided to pace in the peloton, which was Ineos with the likes of Pitcock doing a lot of work on the climb itself, Van Bala as well. And Van Bala put himself behind Sivakov and played another role for the rest of the stage as well. So great work by Van Bala today, a really underrated rider in the climbing, and he keeps on proving that he's worth it. And didn't he ride the Tour de France as well? Yep, he did. He's one of the most versatile riders. Him and Verona are very similar. Uh, I guess Van Baal better at classics, obviously. But yeah, he's a he's an incredible rider, Van Baal. Yeah, but next to that, nothing really happened. Nothing too major, except for the fact that the first group decided to blow open. And it was Micah, Bardet, and Caruso that were the strongest riders on that climb. And Caruso was able to drop everybody on the climb. Literally every single breakaway rider he was with. Bardet and Micah were the... Uh, Riders that were following him, group with Amasqueta and Tusfeld just behind that. But Caruso started a 70-kilometer adventure if this would work out. Because from this point onwards, there's no way in hell that these people can come back if they drop so early on the big climb in the middle. So this was going to be a hell of an effort if he wants to continue this. And the question would remain, would Ineos keep on pacing or not in that peloton group? And towards the top of the climb, the gap was... Two minutes again, and Ineos said to themselves, okay, we're putting ourselves behind 
Yumbo again and Yumbo started pacing uh, at a lower tempo because they don't really care if Caruso takes the stage. He knows he, he's on seven minutes in GC and Caruso just had a gap that was ever expanding towards a larger climb and two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, 20 was the gap at the bottom of the final climb, which was roughly 50 kilom- 15 kilometers from the finish line. So uh, that's where the action started in the peloton. It reminded me a lot of Caruso's, I mean, this is what he did in the Giro. He can go long and he can just maintain it. Like, it's crazy that a 70K solo, you're like, oh, it's a bit anticlimactic. It's inc- an incredible performance. But at the base of that climb, I was like, he's winning. Like, this is done. Because yeah. <laughs> I, it, we just have faith in him being able to knock out whatever numbers he needs to, to win the stage. And he did. So we were all focused on the GC group. I feel a bit bad for Caruso, actually, um, given the year he's having. And behind Sivakov's pace, we see him in the blue polka dots jersey. And we, Dylan Van Baal paced a little bit. They've taken over from Sam Oman. And I was just thinking, here we go again. We can have Prati de Tivo 2.0. And uh, something similar pretty much played out. It wasn't, Ineos weren't doing like train, train for the whole climb to like they normally did. The plan was to just increase the pace to then set up an Adam Yates big attack from about, where was it? Like 9Ks to go, 8 point. Yep. I think uh, eight, 8.7Ks to go, he attacks. Very far out. If he's your best rider, that's very far out to attack. He did this after there had been attacks from Bala in Catalonia Stage 3. I, I think the tactic is he is to attack as an attacking foil and Bernard gets to sit in. He's marked by Miguel Angel Lopez, who likewise for Movistar, Mars is the most protected. You can say, oh, they're co-leaders. No, no, no. Mars is the most protected. Bernal, in my view, has been the most protected for Ineos. Coos responds, not in pacing for Roglic like you would see Skytrain do. Coos responds by res- trying to get to the Adam Yates acceleration and immediately, because I've seen this like a thousand times by now, he goes over his limit. And he's gone over his limit following Adam Yates twice this year. Jabel Hafeet in the UAE Tour, Stage 3. Catalunya, the stage I just mentioned, Stage 3, went over his limit. And he he can barely get to the wheel. And Roglic is almost pacing the group behind. Well, he literally is pacing the group behind on his own before Kreuzweik has to come up and pace. And then Kroos drops back a bit. And the commentator's like, oh, he's been called back. I think he just went over his limit. What what did you think? Did you think there was some sort of alternative plan for Yumbo Benji? Or do you think it's just a a bad initial reaction from Koos, who Yumbo were trying to have as like a second GC threat? Well, at first thought, the only reason that somebody in that group would decide to follow an attack like that is to set up something later on, because otherwise there's no real point in having Kuss follow the move of Lopez and Yates here, because, well, what is Roglic going to do if those other guys get three minutes? Well, what if Lopez... Just keeps continue riding with Gus and Yates and gains three minutes a day on the group with Roglic and so forth, just hypothetically. that That's not safe at all for Yambo. So obviously there has to be some extra thing to it, or it's an, just an initial reaction that he regrets just after that. And based on what we see, his face and so forth, it's the latter. It's the fact that he overextended himself. But what I also had in mind was what if, for example, at this moment we see that He's overextending himself, but we also see that he's keeping himself at the front. So I was thinking, well, if Kaz is able to stay here and they have Kreiswijk in the second group facing Roglic and Roglic is about to do something because, ah, uh, yeah, otherwise there's no point in still having Kuz there. Then Kuz overextending might as well just drop back already. And we had a move by Roglic and he decided to, well, in somewhat of a defensive move, bridge over to the group with Gus and 
What were the reactions in the group with Roglic? Well, it was mass, mass closed Well, they tried to. I mean, this was the Roglic burst. No one can actually stay with Roglic when he does these bursts out of the group. And I guess the question I also wanted to throw at you, Benji, was if you're Mass and, and Yates, do you, uh, sorry, if you're Miguel Angel Lopez and Yates, do you care if Coos is with you? My immediate answer is not one bit. That's just a, something you've got to accept and not care about if you've got Roglic off the back, right? Yeah, I agree. And it seemed like they didn't really care too much because they kept on pacing quite a bit with Cousin their wheel and they just started rolling around relay. But the gap was extending a bit and then the Roglic attack came. And once the Roglic bridges, then you know that you can't keep on pacing because Roglic is in your wheel. So that differs the entire situation. And with Moss following that attack, well, not at the speed of Roglic, of course, but closing <laughs> it down slowly but surely and getting to the group then Movistar do have two riders in that group. And do you think that Movistar should have chosen to actually do something there because the likes of a Bernal was unable to close it that easily, for example? Yes, but Mars has just done a huge effort following that role. Like that role which acceleration was fast and Mars, you know, other riders who perform better later, oh no, Mars did perform well later, but yeah, I think it's hard <laughs> to say, oh, why don't they just count it? Just count it. It's like, well, yeah, these two true. guys have done a huge effort. I mean, maybe they can't. The reason we know that Coos has made a mistake here is he's off the back of the group of four once Roglic bridges. Normally you you would slap him on the front to start pacing. Bernal is bridging across on the back of Bardet, who's the remnants of the, of, uh, the breakaway. Carapaz didn't help him at all. So no, the, I haven't really seen Carapaz working for them. Haig is coming back, being paced, I think, by, yeah, Carapaz. I actually hate, made us pacing Haig. So they're doing it more steadily. Coos gets on the front. Pace comes out. So we've had a big salvo. I want to give actually uh, tip my hat to Stefan Kreuzweig. I think he did quite a good job for Roglic there in a sticky situation. Caruso's obviously up the road like four minutes ahead. Yates then goes again with seven Ks to go. And he's got Bernal in the wheel. And this is where I'm like, this, this isn't making sense now for Ineos. Yates has got the whole group and his rivals on the wheel. He's got a group of Lopez, Mas, Bernal and Roglic. And he's the one pacing. But he's better than Bernal right now. And Bernal's struggling to respond to things. Again, made a pacing it back. And I don't know, it's, it's a bit curious, Benji. Like, did you, at this point, are you, I felt like Ineos are repeating the mistakes of Prati Dativo once again. Yeah, I think that in general, it feels like their plan A was Yates attacking and Bernal playing defensively in the group behind and trying to follow moves and trying to lure other people into overextending to catch Yates again. But the problem with the strategy is that it's based off the fact that Bernal can actually ha- hold on to people, and that is not the case right now. And every attack that Adam Yates does is extra damage to Bernal, who can't follow in the back. So with every every attack that he does, the one you're talking about right now, with Bernal in the wheel, he's putting pressure on Bernal exactly. as well. Exactly, And that will not end up going well, and he keeps on doing it because it's the only plan they had on the table today, apparently, because they didn't change any strategy from the fact that they just keep on using Yates aggressively and going for Bernal defensively. Now, logically, based on two riders that are informed, that would be a decent choice, but Bernal seems to have been in trouble. But I think they they have a hard time getting strategies together because these riders have been performing inconsistently throughout the entire Velta. Yates has been better on one day. Yates has been worse on another day. So it's hard to come to a conclusion of who's the better rider then. But today it was clear that one of the two was better, for sure. 
oh, I think Yates has been way better this first week. Way, way better. Attacking into the headwind on Picon Blanco, pacing at the end of stage on the stage on Friday. I think Yates is clearly Did he not lose enough. more time on that stage, uh, that court one? Yeah, probably. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, probably you're right there. Um, before we get to uh, an attack, I have a pretty big problem with, I want to mention our show <laughs> partner, Lacole. Lacole produced performance cycling apparel produced at the base of Monte Grappa in Italy, and they got a big sale on at the moment and lots of discounted items. And if you use code LRVUELTA20, that's LRVUELTA20 with all caps, you can get 20% off in addition to already discounted items. So if you want to check them out, they support the podcast. It's at www.lacole.cc. Six Ks to go. Group back together. Hague's paced back. Very good job by Gino Mader. Carapaz. He attacks over the top when Yates has been having to sort of pace for Bernal. Lopez is like, na, 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 na. <laughs> Not so fast, <laughs> Richard Carapaz. When I sign my Movistar contract in the fine details, I have to close you down if you go up the road. Close him down really quickly. <laughs> I just think Carapaz is riding a little bit selfish right now. I think he's going, trying to take back his own time on GC. I don't really know how that help, that acceleration helps Ineos when Bernal was struggling. I think a steadier pace for Yates and Bernal would have been better. And so, yeah, and then he drops and then he loses nine minutes today. So just really, really weird. And I then, think, there's, a, sorry, I think there's the aspect to that, that I think Carapaz tried to make that move to make sure perhaps nobody responds to it. If Lopez doesn't respond, Roglic won't respond to Carapaz. So they will keep on just doing that. But the problem exactly is the one we've been mentioning with Yates as well. Every attacking move right now is hurting Bernal. And whether that comes from Yates or from Carapaz, it hurts Bernal. And the fact that Lopez responds makes that worse for Bernal. And that will uh, only show in the later attacks because the next one was another Ineos attack, right? Yeah, I think Adam Yates goes again. And this time, I think Kuz went to the front to start pacing. It's funny how... Guys who've been riding this climb steadier, we got a group. You might think, hey, you've got two guys now. We've got 5Ks to go. It's a gr- the group is over 10 because it, stop, start, stop, start. Haig's been riding it Mankies steadier. Mankies is in Mankies, there still. He's, he's gone really well, man. We'll, I'll have a note on him in a minute. But Coos is slow pacing. Not This is not his Tour de France pace. Everyone's recovering, drinking. Haig takes a bottle. Bahrain guys took some pr- late bottles. I think just pulled 6Ks to go. And with 5Ks to go, Adam Yates gets the moto draft of his life. Like literally the most obscene moto draft. Like it's not his fault, but it it snaps this gap right open for him. Coos again tries to respond to it quickly rather than steadily. Miguel Angel Lopez bridges. Roglic attacks and Movistar riding in perfect synchrony. Lopez attacks across. Roglic starts to steady close and he brings Mars in the wheel. It's quite good from Movistar and it's now Bernal having to pace behind. So. Again, as Benji said now three times, Bernal is being put under pressure from these moves. He's now chasing Roglic up the road. And eventually, Miguel Angel Lopez, fantastic job from him today, brings, this is why I say Mas is the real protected leader, brings Roglic and Mas back up to Adam Yates, Carapaz dropping, and at this point, 4.1 case to go, we've seen something we might not have seen for a while from, and people might not have thought was possible from Enric Mas. He puts the hammer down with four Ks to go off the pull of Miguel Angel Lopez, drops Yates. And I think Roglic was not that comfortable on the wheel, Benji, frankly. I I don't think he was like going to drop him, but I don't think Roglic was like, oh, I can just pull and this is easy as. I think Mars was 
riding really, really well today. And my question to you is, is he making a mistake pacing for Roglic? He's second on GC. Or with Ineos dropped, every other GC contender, is that just something you have to accept and you're not going to drop him anyway? Exactly, the latter. Because in this situation, Moss has to pace. All his competitors for the podium, except for Caruso, if that eventually comes into play, which I don't expect, well, all his competitors for the podium are behind him right now. And the only person that is with him is the person that is ahead of him and the big favorite to win this Grand Tour at the moment. Maas, if he keeps on pacing, Roglic will likely not attack him because he's going to be fine that Maas is pacing him to the line. So Roglic is less likely to gain a minute on Maas today if Maas just keeps on pacing like that, unless Roglic counters, but I wasn't expecting that based on what I was seeing at that moment. Maas keeps on the right, and that is a good idea because he's putting pressure on every single person that is his podium competitor. If he gains a minute, a minute and a half on people today that are his podium competitors, that is a huge gain because that allows him to focus on Roglic towards the end of the Grand Tour if his podium is more secure already. Because then he doesn't need to secure his podium anymore against people. Then he can solely focus on trying to win the Grand Tour if that situation arises in the third week, for example. But for now, the focus should be securing or making that podium place as safe as possible. And whether Roglic is with you or not, don't care. Just don't think about it. Roglic even took over a few times. Yes, so he did. he was pretty happy with the situation, it seems. And they got a gap pretty quickly of 20 seconds now on a group of Yates, Bernal, Miguel Angel Lopez, and Jack Haig, who I've been mentioning him for a reason. He's now in this group He's looking pretty good. And Bernal is actually dropping in and out of that group. For a little bit, Miguel Angel Lopez was pacing in the group, which, like, he stopped. He wasn't that bad. He'd only do it for a little bit, but he shouldn't do that. And then eventually Yates had to take over and was pacing. And Yates has attacked, like, four or five, you know, four times already. So perfect for them. And the minute Bernal starts to go off the back, Jack Haig accelerates with about 1,700 metres to go, I think, or maybe a bit under. He's riding conservatively. I went absolutely crazy. And, yeah, it's just interesting to see Bernal. I don't know. He just was in difficulty this entire climb. He gets dropped with about 1,500 metres to go, maybe more. Yates is still pacing Miguel Angel Lopez back. They'll eventually get back to Jack Haig. And just, yeah, the rest of the stage is Caruso winning, obviously, but and then Mas. Some pulls from Roglic taking an, you know, incredibly strong pulls to finish. Uh, he lost the sprint to Roglic in the bonus seconds. But Caruso wins the stage, Roglic second, taking another six bonus. Mask third on 106, so 105, 106. And then a 38-second gap to Jack Haig in fourth. Lopez Yates on the same time. Then Gino made an outstanding performance too. Three Bahrain guys in the top seven on 207 after he'd been pulling but for not Haig. their leader. <laughs> okay, we got it. We got a whole segment on him coming up. Then Ciccone on 210. Bernal on 210 as well. Another 30 seconds. They lost over a minute, Bernal did, to uh, the Roglic Mask group. Then Dela Cruz 10th. Kuss on 240 with Kreisweich. So... Like Mankey's at uh, 245. So, oh, okay, last thoughts on the uh, the mask thing, Benji. Do you think that's a pretty good return from him? But I think this stage also proves that um, we get way more excited about a 30-second mountain gap than a 30-second prologue gap. Yeah, certainly. I think that 
this whole performance by Moss is putting him as a prime candidate to take the second spot in this Grand Tour. And we know that Moss usually gets better towards the end of a Grand Tour, but I do recall a previous Grand Tour showing exactly the opposite. Nonetheless, Moss should on paper not completely collapse in the third week, uh, I would expect, compared to other riders in that top 10, Yates, for example, that has shown that he, in 90% of the Grand Tours, he's ridden collapses in the third week, except for that one where he got fourth in the Tour that one year. So, in general, Moss' situation is perfect. Now, what was slightly surprising is the fact that Lopez is often pacing in the group behind Moss with Yates, for example. And on one end, that's a bad thing because you're obviously making the gap between Moss and his podium competitors smaller by doing that. And you're not letting them spend as much energy on the stage. But on the opposite end, I think it's a good plan B to keep Lopez relatively close, close just in case something happens to Mars because we saw with Valverde yesterday that something can happen very quickly. You have to keep him close. Do you remember before the Planche de Belfi TT, Miguel Angel Lopez was like 30 seconds within Pagacha on GC. Like he's a top guy. Uh, then he obviously had it the worst TT of his life. But revised GC, Roglic first. He's 28 seconds ahead of Mars. Then Lopez on 121. Haig moves up to fourth. So he... On the break, took that time back. Thank you very much, everybody. And now into fourth on 142, 10 seconds ahead of Bernal on 152. Yates moves up, but uh, he could have done better, I think. 207, Giacone on 239. Kuss stays the same at 240. Grosschartner loses a lot of time today. He was eight seconds behind Roberts' member. He's on 325. Dela Cruz, 355. Vlasov moves down on 355. And the man you want me to talk about, Benji, Mikhail Landa, he loses four minutes to Roglic and Marsen, three and a half minutes to his teammate, our teammate Jack Haig. He's got to go back into prison ASAP, right? Yep. He is, uh, he's into domestique mode from this point onwards. Or he could try and do what Caruso did today. He's likely going to go for a massive attack in the third week. Like, it's Landa. He usually does that if he's far behind. But should he? With Haig so close and looking like a candidate for the podium right here, I'm not so sure about it. Caruso's better than him right now. Like, I don't think so. I think he should. Where did Car- How much time did Caruso... So Caruso's now ahead of Lander on GC. May yeah, is by, four minutes. By 12 seconds. So <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a mad statement there. But yeah, I think that... La- right now, their focus should be on Jack Haig. Quite simple as that. But they've got a lot of riders to try and do that. For example, a Mater is now sitting on four minutes in GC as well. That's relatively close, knowing that Mater also has a decent time trial. But I feel like they've got quite enough, quite a few riders that should definitely be working for Haig right now. I just can't define yet without thinking about it a bit more who should do so. Because the problem with Landa is that his reputation is being the leader of Bahrain. So I think that it's not He's as not easy on a human level. No, yeah, he has to on... do it. I don't care. <laughs> I'll ask you a question because I've got, a, I've got an opinion on this. Today, for example, in the stage, they've got Odin waiting and Pools waiting on, on land. Do you think that's a mistake? I mean, Pudun's on, what, like 30 minutes on GC, yeah, yeah. Pulls out of GC. No, because Caruso's up the road. If, if Pudun was like, I've got the best legs of my life and there's no breakaway, it's a mistake, um, but 
Caruso is already winning the stage and Padun's not a GC threat. So, oh, you mean they could have helped Haig? Yeah. Nader did a really good job like, and yeah. still stayed tight. So, yeah, I think they should help more. I think, yeah, obviously if, if Lander drops again and they're using Padun and Poles to pace for him, it's, that's just Yeah, that would be stupid. But I think today <laughs> it's important for the – on the human level of Landa to know yeah. to let him know that he has a team support I didn't have as a, a leader. So I think today it's not an issue, but I think that tonight they need to talk about the leadership in this race and Jack Haig is clearly the leader and the only time that people should drop back and help someone out is if Jack Haig is in trouble right now. And um, perhaps Mater should not be doing that because he's still close enough to, in case something happens to Haig, still be a candidate to do something because Mater has a time trial while Haig has a Average one, right? I think I think he'll go better on the longer one than the mm-hmm. uh, than the prologue. I think his TT in the Dauphiné, which was sixteen kilometers long, eh, that was a weird TT. I think <laughs> I don't I don't expect him to take significant time on yep. those guys. And Lopez on his day can beat him too. So, Flazov. Yeah. Oh my god! I told you. <laughs> <laughs> People were roasting us for our Bora Hansgrohe transfer podcast where we were like, you know, they just picked three guys. Now, we may be wrong, he's young, but I said he'd been dropped on every mountaintop finish this year and, like, he's shipping loads of time. Yeah, my entire podium crashed today because, like, I had Vlanda. <laughs> I had Vlanda for, I had, I had for two, first. Yeah. <laughs> I had Vlasov and Landa. I just shipped them and made them one and put them on the third spot, but they both collapsed today, so... Yeah, they're not looking good. And when you're in a situation that Vlasov is in right now on 11 minutes, you got to start thinking about trying to use the fact that you're a bit in the shadows of people to perhaps go in a third-week breakaway and take time back that way. Because without that, you're not getting close in GC most likely. So we will preview the rest day tomorrow. We'll preview the Stage 10 in the uh, podcast tomorrow. But just a quick discussion, Benji, on Movistar, Ineos, and I guess Yamo Vision's strategy, very straightforward defend. Like, not don't need yeah. to discuss that. Uh, maybe have Koos help Robert a bit more. But Ineos, is it soon enough now, Benji, where you say we're riding for Yates, given that he's still 15 seconds behind Bernal on GC? Or, like, do they change anything? Because to me, we've had, uh, oh, we race differently now. From what I've seen all this year, when they come up against one of the Slovenians, they literally do their normal strategy and they get spanked. And today it was a normal, uh, bit normal, like they don't know early attacks and then Yates attacked early and then they got spanked. So what would you change there? Do you just hope Bernal gets better? I think that they will likely hope that Bernal gets better. And the reason for it is that when it comes to Yates, I just don't have a full confidence in the third week either. So there could be a day where he has his bad day, just like in the Tour de France last year, and loses time. And then you might regret not having Bernal still relatively up there. So I think today might look bad from the surface, but on paper, he only lost 26 seconds. So it's not the end of the world either. He's now sitting in fifth on 1 minute 52. Sure, they're both sitting on fifth and sixth now, right now, but there's so much in the third week that the third week form is going to be the most important here. And I don't know, perhaps they think that this form is getting better towards the third week. We haven't seen any signs of it, personally. I haven't. Uh, when it comes to Adam Yates, I, I'm scared that this form will go down towards the third week. And I think that that is a problem there. I think 
it's hard to say that they should make the decision right now simply because he's also still sitting ahead of Yates and GC. How can you say against Bernal, okay, you need to domestique right now for, for a dude that's behind you in GC? I, I don't know. Like, I might dare to say in the second week, which is honestly not the craziest second week, keep it simple until stage 13 and reevaluate then. Because until stage 13, on paper, they should not lose time. And if they do, well then it's kind of becoming clear who is the worst one of the two. And on stage 14, that is when you need to decide. Because right now you've got a, a good five days, six days, where there's a limited amount of time loss possible for them. And the second week might not be the best place to uh, decide already who is your leader. I, I still think they should make a slight adjustment in that I don't think Yates yeah. should be attacking first. Certainly. Or- with eight and a half case to go on Prate de Tivo, they used Thomas as the foil in that scenario, and then Bernard was stronger then. But I'm, uh, that's how they do it. They have the guy who's actually not the AAA leader attack mm-hmm. first early. They did that on Isaran with Thomas back in 2019 Tour de France for Bernard to counter. I think Yates can't be doing that anymore. He needs to conserve right in the wheels, attack later, gain some time back because he is riding really, really well. To be honest, to finish where he did, all the attacks, he's right, he's running at a good level. I think Movistar, I actually don't know. It's something I have to think about tomorrow, and I'll discuss on the podcast tomorrow what, how Movistar should approach it with Mikel Angel Lopez and Enric Mas, but they are looking excellent indeed. But I hope you enjoyed our recap of Stage 9 of the Vuelta Espana. Damiano Caruso taking his second Grand Tour stage win of the year after second on GC at the Giro d'Italia, 33-year-old Bahrain, looking, I don't know, good and bad for them. Bittersweet day for them. They lost Lander, but Haig's looking good, and uh, Caruso won the stage. So I'm excited to see what happens next week. Make sure you stay tuned for our rest day recap tomorrow. We should have some interviews lined up for that as well. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.